0: Good evening, listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control, to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology, to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded, Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast, where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth.
1: So it's here the we are, man. I've ever seen the beginning this, of is, uh, this is the kickoff episode, man. This is the first issue of the Paranoid American podcast, and I am more than delighted to have Chance Garten with me, who's been hosting the Interverse podcast for over five years, right? Five or six years at this point. Like 2017, it says.
2: Yeah, honestly, sometimes I feel like I just want to drag people to maybe like two years ago at max and then the next year it's like don't go further back than two years ago
1: <laughs> well i want to i want to read your proper this introduction is issue number
2: one can i get the variant cover
1: yeah i mean they're going to be a special limited edition nfts that are given to just you and me so we'll enjoy those ones <laughs> just don't put it on energy. open C for a month let it let it sit and bake a little bit
2: awesome well congrats but, on launching the show dude you definitely got the chops for it This is going to be great
1: I appreciate it, man. And there's, I was saying there's a reason that I've got you on for our first episode here, but I want to give you a, a quick intro based on your own, you know, site description and some other things that I've just kind of uh, in person, you know, that I've, I've kind of put together from you. So, Interverse with your host, Chance Garten, is a podcast for creatives, synchro mystics, holistic healers, and occult researchers ready to take personal responsibility under natural law to manifest. more magical life pry open your third eye portal to the infinite and flow in perpetual synchronicity on interverse you join chance garten for inspired interviews with conscious creators from all paths enjoy conversations that recognize limitless potential and pierce beyond the veils of illusion to bring you sovereignty and creative freedom and man i gotta say that You've just been like an all around incredibly positive uh, sort of entity in my life, like an, a never ending source of inspiration and motivation, which is especially hard when you're a paranoid American like I am and you're just constantly looking in, you know, the, the dark shadows everywhere. So first I wanted to say thank you and uh, for everything that you've you know, helped and inspired and had me on your show and connected me with people. Um, and the reason that I wanted to have you on first is to hopefully invoke a little bit of that magic creativity uh, to kick this thing off with, the, with a, a big bang. And uh, I don't know if we can do like a, a magical incantation or a ceremony or ritual. Maybe we, we come up with a ritual that I just do before each show or something, man. But I'd uh, I'd love to, to see what you got for me.
2: Well, let's just set the tone. Literally. Gotta hit this giant Tony fork. That seems magical enough
1: i like it man hold on hold on hold on let me get let me get you front and center here all right oh, that's me that's not that's not you
2: <laughs> now yeah there's uh there's gonna be a little square button in the top left of my window there, there you go. go all right here we go Deep depress everybody <laughs> I have a pretty intense, deep conspiracy theory for you all. Everything's gonna be all right. (laughs) Everything's gonna be great. I know, I know, it seems far fetched, a little hard to believe, but everything always is. Everything's all right
1: i'm curious is there are there different ranges of tones when you hit that and you're like ooh this isn't a good one you know like if you if you like pull up the death card is there a version (laughs) of that for sound healing
2: well the thing about tuning forks is they wouldn't really be tuning forks if they had a variation in their frequency so each one has a specific frequency that one's 384 which is uh, allegedly the throat chakra the g note big g now
1: is that based that on g, 432 or 440
2: that would be a a g note from 432 as a yeah yeah the, How the important problem is with 440 that? is that you have to get into like weird fractions to actually create a chromatic scale with a 440 a i don't I don't I don't know maybe that's why it's not so good for you like 440 by itself as a frequency, I don't think there's really much wrong with it. But once you start uh, expanding from there and going up the chromatic scale from that A note and you have to get into decimals or fractionated numbers, seems like that could possibly be where the dissonance comes in. I don't know, with 440 as a, a tuning.
1: <laughs> My understanding was that 440, 440 is okay for instruments but for the human uh, vocal range it actually causes a lot more irritation so a lot of opera singers were very opposed to the 440 versus 432 that's i, I love that entire topic and honestly this this sort of coalesces with um sort of your your bread and butter in the uh, the spiritual world which is sort of sound healing and just sound in general and i'm curious like when did that become sort of one of the focal points of your path here?
2: Well, I'll answer that. But at first, I'm going to back us up. And I got to tell you, man, big ups for your creativity that you bring to this space. As a huge comic book fan, a lover, lifelong lover of the medium itself, <laughs> and on top of all the other things that you bring to the table, like that crazy intro you just made and how balls deep you are in the ai generation good stuff dude kudos keep going
1: i appreciate it man actually you just did an episode with juan on the homunculus and we just put out this little homunculus pamphlet talking about some original comics and stuff dude that
2: homunculus chat was humongous (laughs) humongu
1: i really do think with you know just with our own efforts here me you and the rest of this community we can make Juan, we can manifest Juan into the the nation's like leading homunculologist, as I like to call it. And there's nothing that can stop us because it is such a niche area of research. and I don't know anyone that's that's, you know dove in like deeper than Juan has into this one particular subject. And I just love coming across people that have made a certain point of focus their everything and just taking out all the stops and read everything into it and i and again i i sort of see that with you too just on a more like a general creative endeavor and i would love to just pick your brain about sort of creative tactics that you've got advice that you've got after running a podcast for five plus years and uh just everything else in general man
2: templates lots of really good templates <laughs> at you least on the library side yeah you know shout out to juan because his study of the homunculus is not the only thing that he goes hard on as he would say hard in the paint it's been super awesome to watch him blow up essentially (laughs) (laughs) because i've been doing this a little longer than him and so i remember when he came onto the scene and he cracked me up right away and i really loved his style but now he's pulling some serious audience. And it's really cool because one of the things I love about podcasts and podcaster friends is it's not a, it's really uh, not a competition. We are able to all do better if one of us does better, which is awesome. So thanks Juan for putting in the hustle and also very, very unique perspective on that research with the homunculus. Yeah. That ends up connecting to everything. When I say it's humongous, it's Three degrees of separation from the (laughs) homunculus. Everything is three degrees away. So that's pretty amazing. And for me, if I did have a thing that was just my thing, you know, I'm kind of the type that I really like to just start new things, start them really hard and fast, and then kind of get interested in something else. (laughs) But sound, vibration, frequency, in a way that is the overall premise that umbrellas, the things that I most love to look into and research especially in the sense that language falls in that category. So, you know, we can talk about it as much as you want, or I can give you kind of the quick summary, but my work with sound as a healing modality has been a huge level up for me in my life, Uh, major transformations in my life from not just specifically using sound. Sound is almost like a, a tool to achieve the goal, but, The real thing is the language of our energy field and our energy body, the language that our physical form is always speaking to us, getting out of the inverted mindset that your body has a mind in it, when in fact your body is in your mind. And that applies to everything. It's all in your mind. The mind is the all, which is awesome. And when you get that, when you realize that the body is something that's an extension of your mind, quite literally then you can also you know as you might as a synchromistic where you're looking for the connections you see meaning where others see meaninglessness or chaos you realize that everything is invested with meaning meaning is the grounds of existence <laughs> nothing has nothing's meaningless you know one big turning point in my life was when i started interpreting things going on in my life the way one would interpret dreams and see what's the message here what am what's higher self trying to tell lower self well, the body is just like that. It, it, there's no such thing as an accidental thing going on with your body. It doesn't just break down. It's always trying to maintain homeostasis and it's hyper intelligent. I would even say all knowing. And if you can get a grip on the language, your body speaks like, what does the liver have to do with your psyche? What does the knees have to do with your psyche? Cause it's all extension of psyche. And that's where the biofield anatomy came in and really, changed my life massively and has helped me be of service to tons of people, too, that that you can actually get the memo (laughs) and body doesn't need to keep sort of throwing things awry so that because it seems to be that's the way life is. Everything's a meaning. Everything's a message. And the further into denial of reality that you go, the more you ignore the messages that are always evident. That's the thing about truth is it cannot be hidden. It's always there. It's the nature of truth, is that it's all that is. So, truth is there in your environment somewhere, waiting for you to catch wind of it, notice it. It's usually not even that hard to notice, but you got to get out of your own way, your own delusions, your own artificial filters and overlays that make you feel like you're living in some kind of simulation, which you are. If you are <laughs> in a backwards worldview or a totally messed up worldview, then that is like being in a simulation and it's going to make the things that are actually real feel unreal because they don't. Have, adhere, you know, nature doesn't adhere to whatever twisted cosmology you've been living under. So anyway, with the biofield anatomy, I learned this from Eileen McKusick in her book, Tuning the Human Biofield, took that knowledge, picked it up and ran with it, kind of innovated my own style of how to work with that in using tuning forks to detect where stuck energy is at in somebody's arc field and help them comprehend what that has to do with the beliefs they have about themselves and the way they may be uh, conditioned to expect reality or life to go a certain way and thus creating patterns of events and experiences that feel like are happening to them, but actually nothing's happening to you. You're happening to everything. (laughs) So getting back into the inner world directing outer world perspective is the healthiest place you can be. And I don't think that You'll ever go wrong for long if you've got that type of mentality.
1: Hence the name Inverse, right?
2: I had no idea. I knew, I knew nothing when I made that <laughs> name and started the show. <laughs> it just, yeah, it just kind of popped into my head like that should. But be is that just a
1: coincidence, or is is that just kind of you know like a self fulfilling prophecy, or you know what? How do you interpret that?
2: Oh, dude, there's so much power in a name. I feel like that's part of the whole meaning matrix that. Everything's overlaid on in terms of the, the reality. I maybe I'm biased in that opinion. I've probably told this story before, but how I got my name, chance, was that a senile great grandma or great aunt my parents were visiting her while my mom was pregnant, and she like rubs my mom's tummy and she says, How's little chance doing in there? <laughs> and they had no inkling to name me that. But then from that point on, it was like, Yeah, that's the name. So it was almost as if she was. <laughs> in this dementia state where like we talked about with adrenochrome and schizophrenia. Oh no, I said the word. <laughs> we're not, acu- we're making no you. Okay, we'll we we'll, we'll ding
1: you out with some demerits. That's fine.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's as if she was picking up on something that was already there in the ethers, so to speak, that, that name was uh, sort of meant for me. And in the same vein, I think the name interverse was meant for my show. I had a funny synchronicity with that uh, on have you ever heard of uh secret energy or seven BOMAR?
1: No, you're gonna have to tell me about it.
2: Oh, he's a pretty interesting dude. Um, his website is secret energy. He's got, <laughs> I think he's got a lot of great wisdom and things to share, but a lot of times they'll just kind of come away thinking, I have no idea. What any of he what he just said meant, but I feel good after listening to it. <laughs> you that's, know, that's a, like secret a good part. vibe to it, and there's sometimes good things to learn from there. You know, he's a similar type of researcher: etymology, religion, mythology, the occult, all that, and health. Good dude, you'd probably like his work a lot actually, because he's going deep into, you know, trying to teach AI about God.
1: <laughs> well, so so you mentioned, but uh, anyway, on tr-
2: real quick, that dude's name is Seven on the seventh episode of the podcast when I first was starting out. A friend of mine that I was interviewing told me about Seven Bomar on the seventh episode of the show. And uh, I went and looked into him and he was just launching an online course series called The Innerversity. And I was like, who's ripping off who? It's like that idea that <laughs> the, that the, uh, the invention is just waiting out there for somebody to grab it. And if you don't pluck it from the ether, whenever the idea pops into your noggin, then somebody else will.
1: Right. Like, like it's almost like a storm that's just passing across the country. And if someone in California doesn't grab the idea from the, the, you know, rain cloud of ideas, then by the time it gets to the other coast, you know, so many people have had a chance to snatch it, that someone's going to have it. I I really love that sort of concept. I don't know if it's accurate, but I, I just like the, the aspect of it, that like the Akashic records have decided that that someone's going to check this book out this week. Uh, something along those lines
2: yeah it's time for the re- the homunculus revival clearly
1: and you um uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier about like truth and that sometimes things that happen to you physically in your body are manifestations of maybe suppressing truth or in a very vague uh, general sense and i'm curious as someone that's interested in mythology and, and etymology and just you know philosophy and religion what is truth what, which was a famous quote by Pontius pilot but i'm i'm curious is truth an objective or a subjective thing to you? Are there are there two different types of truth? Is there the type of truth that can be subjective or does it always have to be objective?
2: Oh, now we're playing a fun game here. Because <laughs> when you say etymology, well, we it's topic.
1: like it depends on who you talk to on what the truth is
2: sometimes. Well, I love the whole notion of if we're going to have a conversation, let's define our terms so we both know what we're talking about. I love that. So in my personal lexicon when I talk about truth. I'm not talking about necessarily something subjective. People do, you know, say live your truth. You know that that phraseology, we all get it. It's a more subjective usage of the word. That's fine. Words can have a variety of meanings and context. But truth with the capital T, I would basically equate that with existence with a capital E, that the truth is the self-evident, self-existing, self-generating Totality of all life, creation, the universe, and everything. <laughs> so, does, does this, it's basically it's, this it's what narcissism? it is, man. Truth is what Th- it is. Doesn't
1: that exclude the brain in the vat? Uh,
2: the brain in the vat experiment. Well, if, uh, if we were a brain in a vat, then that would be truth, I guess. That would be reality.
1: But you'd never get to know that truth, right? Because if you were, if you were the brain in the vat, you would never know that you were just a brain in a vat. You'd be out in the matrix you know snowboarding or doing whatever cool stuff that you'd be doing
2: yeah so i guess in that you know line of questioning going to the brain of the vat truth would apply to everything that the brain of the vat is experiencing in its simulation you know because that's the that's the reality that is self-evident and you know manifest to that particular consciousness yeah good question <laughs> curveball
1: I'm also curious about the tuning forks, um, because this is, I've always had this fascination with analog versus digital, like, is there really something special and magical to an analog signal of a vibration versus a digital reproduction of it? And when it comes to like tuning forks, for example, are there, is there anyone else in sort of like the sound healing sphere that just like plays a 440 hertz t- or you know a 430 hertz tone on like their ipad you know you've got like the djs that show up with the crates of the vinyl and then you've got the one that just plugs the like ipod in and you know just broadcast it all digitally what like is that looked down upon does it have no value at all uh is it just less potent is it the same like i'm really curious so like if you were to show up with your set of tuning forks and the hammer and then you know your competitors like I charge half as much as Chance or whatever whatever the the marketing thing is but he just like pops out you know like a portable speaker or something that has good dynamic range like would you have like a a, a good explanation for you know go with me I'm I'm the organic tuning fork guy don't go with the digital guy
2: no I wouldn't <laughs> I so mean, so, so they could br- or no but honestly so I do m- the majority of sessions for people remotely. So I'm using the analog tool, but it's they're hearing it through the digital reproduction facsimile. So my answer to that question is back to the all is mind aspect that I, I often have told, I pretty much tell every client when we're starting, it doesn't even matter how well they can hear the sound. The really? sound is the, the tuning forks, the sound they are a detection tool that help me to find where the stuck energy I'm looking for is but as I've progressed and experience on tuning honestly I don't need the fork to detect it so if I really wanted to I could do a session for somebody where I just wave my hand from away from their body towards their body and wait till I feel where the stuck chi is at and then I could, intent use intention to move it back to their center and back into circulation for them because I I think part of why it's effective and why it's effective remotely is that I ask for permission I say I'm I'm gonna need permission to manipulate your biofield and move stuck energy (laughs) do I have permission and they say yes I've done sessions where we weren't even on a call and it was remotely I've done sessions in public places like in front of Big stages playing music where neither person can hear the fork. And that was actually where doing that kind of thing is where I figured out that I didn't really need the fork. So, now to add on to that though, there is a material measurable benefit to coherent sound. And that's something that a lot of science has been done on and it's pretty cool. So, I just sort of look at the forks, I keep them in the mix, even though. I could do it without the forks at this point, because coherent sound has a benefit of its own. It's kind of a cool, you know, for people that are maybe a little less trusting of the all is mind element, then then maybe the forks also give them a little more belief factor to help with the process. So, has anyone said no, you don't
1: have permission to, uh, to, to, uh, what are they giving you permission for? Like, are you entering their consciousness somehow? Or, and you know, has anyone said no, man, that's not for me?
2: (laughs) Well, they probably would not have paid me to do a session (laughs) if they're (laughs) going to say so. So,
1: by the time they've already agreed to pay, you're you're pretty much on board, anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. We're just,
2: you know, whenever, honestly, what I think is going on in a tuning between me and another person. I think that okay, you're, you're probably you're you know you're into the mysteries, right? You're aware of. The, I'm a healthy skeptic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, there is a long-standing ancient tradition around the sacred fire, right? You know, that was one of the big overlaps between, say, the Persians and the ancient Israelites, and it's something you find throughout all the ancient versions of the mystery that there's like a sacred fire in the temple, the fire that allegedly. Was given to them by Prometheus or by whoever their version of the big G is for their cult. And that it's not like you never let the fire go out. You know, you see remnants of that with the Olympic torch, et cetera, et cetera. So the sacred fire, you know, and even some depict our descriptions of God from the ancient mysteries were that it was God was like a fluid fire, which I think sounds like electricity. And that makes a lot of sense because the biofield is a very electricity based theory Uh, eileen McCusick, who i mentioned learning from everyone ought to check out her work her newer book is called electric body electric health and just having some comprehension on how the electricity in your body influences your well-being and how to work with that how to ground when you need to ground how to build up charge you know a lot of stuff comes back to sort of common sense things that you wouldn't uh, you probably could figure out, but grounding it all in the electrical nature of biology and of the cosmos is really cool and it's a useful conceptualization. And so why I brought up the sacred fire as God or this bio, this biofield electricity having something to do with God is because in my practice, I've come to believe that life force energy what is called chi or prana or just life force is a good word for it. We don't have a specific word for it in english of course but that i think is i think that's god not saying that we are god or that we're gods but i'm thinking that the energy that animates and is the ordering principle to the reality that which causes harmony and ecosystems to find balance and you put it, you know, you put a bunch of metronomes in a room together and set them all off at different times and come back later and they're all synced up. There's something inherent to nature or reality that causes not entropy but syntropy, that things get in sync with each other. Women sync up their menstrual cycles. There's so many examples of this. So I think that it's the life force is you know the light behind the eyes. You see something that has died and it feels like it's just an empty husk It's cause that life force, is whatever that mysterious energy is, has left the scene. And this is like so, the look
1: you get when you go to the DMV, right?
2: <laughs> a thousand yard stare. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Yeah. I think that people that are highly fragmented through trauma, through their own misdeeds, for whatever reason, they do develop a darkness. You know, darkness. The light isn't there so much in their, in their demeanor. Uh, I'm kind of a believer in physiognomy in the sense that you, by the time you're older, you get the face that you deserve in a way. <laughs> <laughs> you see some, you see some the, of the, the like, resting
1: bitch, uh, resting bitch face syndrome. That's like you've earned it.
2: Well, you know, why is it that some dudes they age? Like fine wine, and, and ladies are beautiful well into their older years. But then you see, like, uh, George Soros and his face is melting off. And it's like the you know, it's like those Star Wars video games where if you make enough dark side choices, your character starts to get all corrupted looking. What does that say real. for Tom
1: Cruise? Then was is Tom Cruise like the, the new savior or something? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, dude, didn't you see it's RFK Jr., obviously.
1: The, oh, yeah, man, he's yeah, he's, he's uh, a ripped,
2: bro. Yeah, he's obviously on steroids and testosterone, synthetic testosterone, the whole things of that whole picture going viral is a Pfizer advertisement in my opinion, but we'll leave that aside. I'm sure there's a lot. Well, the, I'm literally feeling that family made their money on drugs one way or the, the other future that are like, "No, Bobby Kennedy will save us." And I just felt the I just felt a little bit of that squirting at me, so I'm still down, waiting but... for
1: JFK Jr. to come back from the dead, and he's going to be the one that saves us. That was that's the big. Yeah, one. yeah.
2: Nobody nobody uh, needs to bother remembering that it was a Kennedy that put the current cowpoke schedule into place. It was Ted Kennedy that put in the bill that allows the manufacturers of the cowpokes to be held uh, irresponsible, not responsible for any damages they're causing. Not you know shielding them from liability. Those were Kennedys, but this one's cool. Anyway, side, that's a whole side. Of subject. Well well what we're getting we're into some
1: conspiracy like... questions. so so I actually would love to segment this into uh, into what I like to call the the paranormal conspiracy probe or PCP for short. So are you ready to do a little bit of PCP with me?
2: I'm so ready. Let me roll up a 20, but the first want to finish the thought I had real quick was that you know I was trying to kind of flesh out the concept that our life force energy is the same as the great Spirit. You know god what have you the creator and that's what animates and gives our bodies you know what makes a a cut heal you don't do that with your will your life force when it's in order just rectifies that brings order to that so i think the i think whatever the animating spirit is is the same as whatever the first cause is to for there to be a something and not a nothing and so thus there is a way to connect with and communicate with that intelligence that your body holds in its vessel and I think that that life force is the indivisible primary agent that is before any sense of division, space or time. And so I think that your pranic energy or chi is not separate from the whole rest of the entire thing in the sense of like the ocean in a drop, that type of idea, fractal thing. So my body's intelligence can connect through that indivisible pranic you know, interest web, what have you, with the client's life force. And thus, regardless of distance, I can get, you know, because I've kind of trained myself to know how my body speaks to me and is mostly a yes or no, or is it here? Or is it not here type of capacity, but it's there. Um, that I, th- I think that that's what basically runs the whole show. And that me and the client in our conscious minds, our egos, we're just sort of translating the messages that our bodies are are giving about what they know is the truth because the body is connected to that which is all truth in all life
1: i'm curious with now, the uh well with with the the chi and the prana life force you mentioned that there's not really a word for it in english and i'm just you know what about spirit or um soul like is is that the same is it compatible is it slightly different
2: i think it's compatible. I think it's compatible actually quite compatible but <laughs> with you know your average person out there might have a lot of other connotations to spirit and soul right well that
1: might be blasphemous right to say that she <laughs> is the same as soul or spirit um but yeah. it seems like it's the closest thing that we might have in the west and in english to represent that if you don't know what prana life force or chi represents it's kind of you know, I, it, or at least to me, that's my interpretation. It's almost like a like a Christian spirit. It's like the Holy Ghost in a way.
2: It is, you know, what is interesting, I, I was on a I was on some research about specific letters, as they've come down to us. And I was looking into the letter theta from Greek. And the, theta, which is teth in Phoenician, it means wheel. To the phoenicians and it's drawn as a circle with a x in the middle or a circle with a dot in the middle like the circumpunct,
1: right, the, the x-men or, symbol wow.
2: yeah yeah or for the greeks it's a circle with a line horizontally through the middle and interestingly enough in terms of neuroscience they call the brain wave frequency wavelength where you can get into sort of a mystical state uh, you know the meditative zone they call that theta is that the, you know, is that because you're accessing your soul whenever you're at that particular frequency range? I don't know. But there's a lot of fascinating stuff about the theta. In particular, the sixth century uh, John the Lydian said that theta represents cosmos, the Agathodaimon or the good spirit, which is what I'm talking about, wrapped around the world, that that circle with the horizontal line, much like Yggdrasil with the serpent wrapped around it or any of the orphic eggs with the serpent wrapped it around it that that's that the the cosmos is that concept. And theta <laughs> you know, oh man there's so many things I would want to add to this but essentially theta to the Greeks was a word or a symbol on its own just as one letter representing death because they said it resembled a skull. and as an abbreviation, just the letter theta, was Thanatos, which is their word for death. And I find that interesting because the uh, the skull, we all know about the skull and wisdom. <laughs> and, you know, if this is cosmos, this is the, the spirit of the world. Uh, <laughs> even Teth, if you do the T2D switch, as is quite allowable, philologically speaking, if you're saying Teth, you could be saying dead. You could be saying Thoth, you could be saying Teut, all these names for... You know, this first born of the first cause. So I don't know why I even got on talking about Teth, other than. Well, <laughs> where, uh, where did theta. the skull
1: come in? How does the skull relate to the symbol?
2: Well, they say the Greeks claim that the way that they drew the theta looked like a skull. And I mean, that's the mainstream reason why that's been given. But I don't know, man. <laughs> I honestly think that the skull symbolism, I mean, there's many layers to it. We know about the Templars and their skull of John the Baptist, and we know about Odin with the skull of mimir and many, many, many other mythoses revolving around a head that dispenses wisdom. It comes into the homunculus research quite a bit. But I think it could be also, you know, in a yes and sense that the skull is representative of. The mind of God that this skull symbolism could be, you know, the fact that arke meaning wisdom also means head, or ras meaning wisdom also means head, and we're talking about the wisdom traditions. And what is wisdom but understanding and comprehending how the mind of God works? What is the occult other than comprehension of micro and macrocosmic psychology? Recognition that your psyche, your psychology operates and functions in a mirror fractal miniature of how the world psyche operates. So, you know, this Golgotha place of the skull where Jesus is crucified, the little man that looks like he's on a cross in the on your brain stem, <laughs> the skull and, and wisdom all going hand in hand and being symbol, symbolized by this letter theta or teth or thoth or death, <laughs> philologically speaking. I find you know that maybe you even get all knowing and all wisdom after death, who knows? But I think that partially at least this symbolism of the skull or the head and wisdom is a nod to the fact, <laughs> unintended, that everything is in the mind. And whose mind is that? It's the cosmo crater it is God, it is great spirit. You know what I'm saying?
1: Whose head would you collect if you could have an oracular skull?
2: Oh, Dude, <laughs> that's a would, good it, would it
1: have to be like an old one, or, or like it could be someone that's alive now, you know, if you wanted if you really wanted someone's head now? But
2: I'm just curious, I think I would pick Godfrey Higgins. I want Godfrey and, Higgins and, skull.
1: And why do you have Godfrey Higgins skull out of all the skulls that you could pick from?
2: Because I feel like if I had his skull instead of having to study his work and take like 30 minutes per page writing notes and trying to organize his stream of consciousness into something that is more comprehensible to maybe share with others as research. You know, I've got notebook full of just stuff off uh, that I've pulled out of his books and then chased down the leads that he presents to verify and like add more connections to. And it's a lot of work to study that and organize that. So if I just had his skull and I could say, all right, tell me everything you know about (laughs) the word Israel. Or, you know, it's just anything. And it'd be, you know, classic Chat GPT, occult alchemy, <laughs> homunculus <laughs> right. skull thing. I'm I'm about it.
1: You would just trust the the outcome more than you would trust chat GPT, I assume. <laughs> well, I, Unless you ask him about like germ theory.
2: <laughs> I would uh you know, I wouldn't say that Higgins got everything right, but he got he he brings a lot of information to the table. He's one of one of my all-time favorites. I can't tell you how many times I type in a word or phrase from Higgins into Google to try to like see if I can come up with any other receipts on that thing. And what I find are just countless blogs and Twitter posts and et cetera that are line for line, word for word, plagiarizing Higgins and presenting it like, here's my research (laughs) with no attribution. I don't get it, but like that guy has been really dustbin by the uh, big trash sweeper of history.
1: Yeah, uh, the honestly, book I'm talking it, about
2: is Anacalypsis by Godfrey Higgins. It's, uh, it's a it's Anacalypsis?
1: Yeah, I, I, sort of like I feel like the lack of attribution sometimes is just kind of inherent in this world in particular. The worst part of it is just that it makes it so much harder to trace back an original idea and sometimes you run into a dead end. Um,
2: more and more as the internet becomes more dead. dead the, the, the dead theory.
1: internet theory, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be the new, like, um the new I used to walk to school two miles in the snow. It's going to be like, you know, I used to be able to search anything on the Internet and it it took me 40 minutes to find it. But I got the good information back then. They don't it'll they don't make information these days like they did back then.
2: You kids don't even know about page two <laughs> in GeoCities. <laughs> there is no page two for your search results.
1: So back I was actually day, we had
2: page 300. <laughs>
1: I was uh, I was a part, supposed to start this out with one very important question, and I realize now that I've already kind of screwed myself on this this episode in particular. So Sorry, we're off to a, a great start. Point. But uh, this is a very important question: <clears throat> Are you a cop? And you have to tell me, dude. <laughs> if you are a cop, you have to tell me. You can't lie about that.
2: <laughs> if I, I I would be a cop, but then I wouldn't be able to take justice into my own hands. So no, I'm not.
1: All right. So that's just,
2: a that's a joke.
1: If you that's are a, a cop, way. nothing that we say, you're you're not allowed to hold any of this against me because you had to you had to out yourself just then. So I'm just Warrior, letting you know. Yeah, no that's, cop. No cop. I'm no a sovereign cop. citizen, and I know I know my sovereign <laughs> citizen rights.
2: Yeah, I've been. Uh, I just finished reading this book that my buddy Al Dog recently wrote. His first book, and uh, it is so funny. It's called The Charter, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a a joke playing on Lil Wayne, the Carter album.
1: I, I want Asylum Films to come out with a, a horror movie now called The Charter.
2: Oh my gosh, it could be a horror movie. It's basically a, a parody Sharknado. This book, The Charter, is basically a parody of real world rappers and rap hip hop culture. It's basically like a way of... It's a tragic comedy fictionalizing what actually has happened to millennials and younger generations who grew up on like Eminem and Lil thug and whoever, I don't know. I was never going to be played on the the oldies station one day. What's
1: that? All those songs are going to be on the oldies station one day. Just imagine that.
2: Oh my God. I don't know if the people that like them a lot will ever make it to be an oldies themselves though. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I wanted to, I guess, shout out that book because uh, I just had him on my Vibrant show and we had a good time, but it's hilarious. And writing ain't easy, let alone fiction writing, let alone fiction writing that somebody can laugh out loud many times while they're reading it. So check out the charter. If you like music, mind control, conspiracy stuff, and you want to see or you want to read something that's highly entertaining that maybe you can even let a friend borrow to break the spell on the hip hop hypnosis. So I really enjoyed reading that. One of the cool things about being a podcast host, it's a huge perk, is people send you books. <laughs> maybe you can't always read all of them, but uh, man, it's, it's awesome. Growing the library
1: and having that uh, that library is always great too for when you go on like a trip or you're just going through like a rut. I was gonna ask you too about your creative process because you do so many different things. You you freelance in addition to podcasting and you know doing no, all No, I don't
2: stuff. really freelance anymore. I think that website might still exist or I have an Instagram, it, but
1: it does, yeah. And it's like well, good, I was like, good
2: dude. at SEO <laughs> when I did that.
1: Well, said so you you were doing like website design on top of that, right? so what you were doing like the programming and the artwork and
2: not in a coding sense. I was more of a graphic interface type web designer okay so me. so I
1: guess even when it comes to like your own you know personal hobbies and when you're doing graphic design for someone else, do you have any special techniques for getting over like writer's block or artist block or any of those creative humps? Do you have any like special sound, you know, do you hit go go, open up the, the array of tuning forks and hit like the certain one. And then all of a sudden you get an idea again, or is there any magic switch that you've got?
2: I don't know if I have a magic switch. It seems like whenever you catch me and ask me that question, I'll be like, well, this is what I'm doing right now. And so what I've come to think is that, you know, I do have a solid answer to this question, but a lot of times when it comes to like getting in the zone, priming the pump for the flow state to activate. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I help people tuning all the time who are feeling stuck, like they can't get into that creative flow state. And, you know, a lot of people are waiting at the shore for a favorable wind to carry them out to sea so that they can begin their journey.
1: I love when, that analogy, right? It's, it's like waiting to get into the mood to like work on your next song or something. Yeah.
2: You got to row that boat, baby. And then if you row that boat, because the outer world is a mirror of your inner world, that's when the favorable wind comes. If you row the boat saying, I'm going that way, wind or no wind, then the wind is like, all right, we're going that way. But if you just wait, the wind is like, I'm waiting for you. <laughs> so there's something to be said about if if you do feel like you're a little stuck or you can't get the juices flowing, take some kind of symbolic action that represents what it is that you want. And especially good if that symbolic action has real, tangible, correlative benefits to what it is you're trying to do. So, like for example, maybe I could, maybe sometimes I point this G throat chakra tuning fork at my throat, and and then be like, ah, and try like match the the frequency if my voice isn't feeling good. But uh, honestly. My go-to flow starter lately, especially for vocal related things, which is the majority of what I do, podcasts and audiobooks and been learning to speak Greek just for fun. And, you know, if I'm going to be a self-styled uh, linguist, philologist, I should probably know more than one language. So I'm working on that. <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. So I, I received this baggie and yeah, I'm not a cop and this Are those mushrooms. It's legal <laughs> this is calamus root so you can see like these little nibs these little nibs of calamus root which they also call know, hold it up again yeah yeah just little little nibs you can google and it how
1: much of that do you snort
2: <laughs> it's actually a chew i've i reckon you could snort it but it's can really you more boof it? throat. so you <laughs> you can boof anything dude yeah that's free right. you, i will give power. you this baggie for free if you boof it <laughs> but yeah calamus root is awesome i recommend it you're a a voice guy now more than ever doing your own show calamus you chew just a couple of small nibs of it maybe even start start small and build up possibly it doesn't taste very good but you kind of get used to it and not you know it activates saliva saliva and all that but I can tell a massive difference whenever I choose some calamus and then I go on to start reading the audiobook because I got to do my professional, very deep and very masculine. So what does it just relax your voice
1: or like how, how, like what makes you feel different after you've taken it?
2: Vocal stamina and wobble in the voice is reduced or eliminated. I've noticed that like, so your voice is steady and strong. Whenever I do calamus, I got the, I do calamus. The other thing they call this is Vacha or Vaca.
1: Is that what the kids are calling it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which means voice, right? Vox. I got it from my buddy, Kyle at Tippecanoe herbs, shout out Tippecanoe herbs. They got so many great tinctures. I'm always pushing the uh, Kapow power up tincture from there which is yerba mate, American ginseng, cordyceps, mushrooms, Cassandra berry, all, and, you know, a little bit of high.
1: It, it sounds like something that would come out of like a yep. Mario block.
2: <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's like the best energy power up ever. So I, I have a coupon code at Tipica New Herbs. If anybody wants to use it, it's Interverse. You get 10% off. And I, I use so many of their products so, yeah, but, you know, those are the little things that you can do to prime the pump, like something edible, something herbal that represents what you want to do or the tuning fork or Qigong is massive for me. I pretty much never go into a client session without at least doing 20 or 30 minutes of Qigong first to activate my whole body and energy field and like Qigong, you may have heard of like. Body scanning types of. You said twenty meditation. or thirty
1: milligrams of qigong. Where do you get it?
2: <laughs> yeah straight up the booth. uh <laughs> Twenty or thirty minutes of qigong, and some that gives you a type of body scanning meditation. That's a movement meditation, so the blood's flowing too, and the qi is literally flowing. You know, because with the, the the twelve movements I do that activate the twelve meridians, you are putting your awareness, your attention, your focus along every major line of energy into every part of your body moving every movable joint you know (laughs) lubricating the joints as the 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 teacher or master says so those are some things you can do but the number one thing for creative block is show up you show up and now that applies to more than just creativity we have a we have a end you know we have a society that's always obsessed with the end and the result rather than the process. And so people will, for example, they're like, I want to write a book, but they don't start until they feel like they can do it all in one day or like spend the whole week doing it or whatever. The thing is, you really benefit from consistency, even if it's small amounts. Like a lot of the art I've made, intense, like complex, super doodles. People are like, wow, how long does that take you? And honestly, I think because my skills as a a, a drawing aren't that technically high, but I put a lot of time and attention into it. I feel like the the drawing captures that time and attention and the energy of that is palpable, even though maybe there's not like a photorealism skill or whatever. So for my drawings that maybe take me a year to finish, I sometimes I'm only doing like 15, 20 minute bursts of effort. Uh, you know maybe once a day at best. but everyone, keep in mind that your effort is cumulative, cumulative. It doesn't just because you're only showing up for a small amount of time doesn't diminish the value of that time. Yeah, if you ha- can give yourself a longer session on something, you'll get farther. that's true. but the key is consistently show up, whatever it is, even if you only have a little bit of time at once. like don't tell yourself, I gotta go to the gym and I gotta work out for four hours today. Because you might not ever go because you can't find the window for four hours, or that sounds too much or too exhausting. But if you tell yourself, I win if I just show up, then you'll probably spend a good amount of time there. And who cares? You know, it's about just continually being consistent. I think that that's where people really miss the mark, is when they don't start and they maybe don't conceive of the value of consistent small amounts of effort over a long period of time. Because think about learning a language. People would look at that and be like, how do you have time to learn a language? Well, could you take 30 minutes out of your day, at least five days a week, realistically? You probably could, right? It and sounds like a
1: sales pitch. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm triggered. A do
2: shit, everybody. <laughs> like, because think about that think about the difference between never starting versus how much, how much time you have spent on something. If you did 20 minutes a day, at least like a few times a week, you know, eventually it becomes an astronomical accomplishment compared to the, I never started. So that's really what it's about with anything creative is show up, set the bar low for yourself and what you consider a win or success that way, instead of beating yourself up with the pressure of like, I have to achieve X. Instead, you're congratulating yourself for I pooped. Yay, I pooped today. Or you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know like how trying, I reward you know, my
1: dog, like, dog with treats just for pooping. Is, uh, like you great can set job. the
2: bar so they're showing up is your means you you did great. You know, there's so many people are walking around with the inner critic just railing them all day. And I knew that I had really made it. <laughs> when my inner monologue started telling me stuff like i started hearing this voice in my head it's like chance is doing awesome chance is crushing right now chance is great and uh the whole like super highly critical very mean ego inner monologue was gone and (laughs) not that i don't have a conscience or like i know when i did something wrong for sure but i no longer have that like crotchety bitchy inner voice that's just nothing's good enough for it i think it's because i'm Just enjoying the process and and in the the journey rather than like, you haven't achieved X yet. What's wrong with you?
1: (laughs) I've got another suggestion on that same note. If you ever have that like negative voice or that, you know, shadow chance or anyone else that has like that shadow Shadow voice, if you just give it like a hilarious, uh, like 1990s Saturday morning cartoon villain voice it makes it so much easier to deal with. So if you ever hear him again, it's like, Chance, you're not good enough. Just like, Chance, you're not good enough. You know, and it has to have like that whole plotting sound to it. I don't know. It just, it takes a little bit of the the power out of those statements. And it's just a reminder that it's, you know, it's kind of silly.
2: What's great, man. It's what you're describing is taking responsibility for your inner world and your thoughts rather than letting that stuff sort of just run you over. It is a valid technique to intentionally replace thoughts that are not helpful with what you actually want or what you, what you know is true. And over time, then the mind will stop throwing you the stuff that's not useful and will just work with what you gave it. But the untrained mind, if you will, your mind is like a a kid that loves to play games. And if you never give it a game, then the pattern recognition game it's going to play is like, why do I suck?
1: all work and no play. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but if you tell it some, you know, I, I, I often advise people in sessions, like whatever their mental hangup is, just ask your, try asking your mind to notify you whenever you're thinking in a certain way, that's not helpful. And that's oh, I disabled about... <laughs>
1: those <laughs>
2: <laughs> notifications. Yeah. But your mind will do that. Your mind will give you notifications. I put post-it notes in my mind all the time. And, uh, they pop up when i need them later it's great you
1: got to be very conscious and honestly the, uh what you what you're just saying now combined with some of the description like on your website description you write enjoy i n j o y and it just screams nlp tactics to me so are you trying to program me right now <laughs>
2: uh that's uh linguistic programming right
1: yeah right yeah so yeah, so that I would, would never... be like do like that. <laughs> you would nappy, I don't even know what it was called. Yeah, <laughs> doing some spatial anchoring here on the, the stream. Uh, but no, I I really do think that words have an incredible amount of power. And like you were saying, you can just kind of phase certain words out of your not vocabulary, but it's almost like they just like automatically get filtered. You know, it's like putting a spam filter on for your brain. Um, and I think that's a, a great way to train it. Not everyone has that ability to like set the mental reminder notes. And, um, one, one technique that I've found that's helpful, but you know, it's, it's hit or miss, but if you really need to remember something important, um, and you know that like, for example, you're, you're driving to work and you have to remember to stop somewhere on the way to work, then you just consciously imagine like your door handle and imagine yourself opening that door handle in your mind, like, you know, feel it, see it, smell it, everything. And then as you're doing that, like, oh, I have to like? go and do this thing. You know, I have to go and pick up whatever. I have to remember that I've got a baby in the back seat, right? And then hopefully after you've just focused on that mentally and rehearsed it a few times the day before, hours before, ho- you know, the next time you actually go and reach that door handle, it'll just be like, oh, check to- check for the baby in the back. You know, we can't lose another one. <laughs> three three three, you're out i think yeah you know if that
2: if that works for for you or for people out there that sounds like a good technique uh what i what this is a to yes and that is that's a cold
1: reading technique by the way another nlp programming tactic go ahead yes and
2: (laughs) well i can you like do a show with me on nlp and teach me what to look out for
1: I oh, would, I would love to, man. It's it is the coolest self defense course ever. It's like Taekwondo of linguistics.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing a video where somebody was breaking down all the NLP techniques Orange Man was doing in a speech, and I was like, "Holy shit, <laughs> that's uh... they're
1: nuts, dude!" The 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 coolest one is the encapsulated stories, where you tell three stories in one, and you keep like you get uh, like halfway into one, and then stop yourself and just start another random story that doesn't connect, and then do it again, and then like you collapse. it's called collapsing and you then finish the inner story and then finish the second story and then finish the first story you started and when you do that it's almost like a time release pill you know what i mean and like the real drug was that third inner story and the one that people remember is that candy coated outer story it's it's i mean you know cia mk ultra to the max i love it
2: wow it reminds me of brit lit classes reading chaucer and learning about frame stories stories within stories now I know and the, and it, the
1: trills. Uh, the trills are the best part of Chancer.
2: <laughs> yeah, but to I, I would actually really like you to come on and do a Vibrant and talk about NLP. That would be sweet. So we'll have to talk shop later. But because I kind of want to know what techniques I've been doing. <laughs> like, have I been doing that in any way? Interesting. But as, aside um, to Yes and your visualization of remembering to do the thing, I also would add to that the Trust yourself, trust yourself, because the one thing that happens to people, this is evident in their biofield It actually shows up in their root chakra, like on the back right side. It, this is where <laughs> like your right butt cheek <laughs> and like the back <laughs> of your right hip, back, lower back, uh, where people I call it the uh, torturous to do list. And this is where people's mental energy gets essentially stuck and not translating to physical action at that level. And it may seem innocuous, but if you're the type who finds themselves constantly doing the work in their head before they're actually doing the work in real life, you know, you'll find this with a lot of salary men and on on the clock folk that it's Sunday. But instead of enjoying their time off, they're like, they have a mental countdown timer of I got to be at work in nine hours and 33 minutes or <laughs> nine hours and 11 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is like to just go over the things, all the things that you want to accomplish in that day or in that week in your head, like sort of incessantly where you're co- like that to do list is always hanging over your head and you're not satisfied with yourself or you feel guilty if you don't complete a, you know, an irrational amount of tasks in the time provided. And what that does is it like on an energetic level, it is robbing physical energy capacity from your root chakra. Like your actual feeling of restedness, your feeling of security, your feeling of vitality will diminish by that, by a factor of whatever amount of mental energy that you're burning consistently by doing the work in your head before it's actually the present moment time to do the work. And that comes down to not trusting yourself in a way. So, you know, set the visualization, set the mental posted note, put your intention into your mind that I'm gonna remember to do this when it's time and then trust yourself. And then whether or not you actually do remember, don't beat yourself up, but don't get caught in the loop of repetitively thinking about stuff that isn't actually present moment right now stuff you know you really want to just be in that chop wood carry water you're paying as much attention to the dishes as you can while you're doing the dishes but you're not paying any mind to the dishes when it's not time to do the dishes and that helps a lot with uh, restedness and vitality in ways that it would seem you know seem irrational to a pure materialist mindset but I I've seen the pattern enough times in people's root chakra where I run into this bundle of stuck energy in the quote torturous to do list section. And then I ask them, I'm like, so how much time do you spend doing your work in your head before it's time to do the job? And they're, you know, every time they're like, yeah, I, I definitely do that. <laughs> Would you like to stop doing that? Would you consider that it's uh, not necessary, (laughs) but they like they usually were doing it because they thought they needed to or that they wouldn't succeed if they weren't constantly burning that mental fuel on, you know, irrelevantly.
1: I, I feel that definitely. Cause there's sometimes it'll be like uh Saturday and it'll turn like three o'clock and it's like, well, Saturday's over. And that means that it's almost Sunday and Sunday's basically over. So that basically means that I got to go to work tomorrow, you know, uh, like that whole countdown. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting too how the root chakra corresponds to, or governs in a lot of ways, our livelihood, what we do for a living. If we feel like that's a secure living or if we feel aligned with it spiritually, and if any of those metrics are off, then other things pertaining to the root chakra will be diminished in their potential energy by the similar factor as how far off your, you know, livelihood is from your purpose or things along that line
1: we're coming up on an hour and i want to make sure that we we do some pcp together so i've been waiting i've got my n- roll let's, up 20 let's run into this it's just going to be rapid fire questions Here, here's the rules um it's basically supposed to be yes no maybe and we can get into more depth on any of them if you've got like a longer answer um so maybe is the same as pass if you need to pass one uh but yeah so just you know don't overthink it. This is supposed to be like a knee jerk reaction test to just get your immediate belief system out. All right. And then these questions will be different each time. Whenever I talk to someone, so do I get a score
2: you... or like a personality profile after this?
1: Uh, I'm I'm working on some kind of like a rating system where maybe you'll get like five out of five Monarch butterflies or something. We'll, we'll figure it out. So, all right, you ready? You got, you got to do any kind of warm ups? you mentally prepared, you got, got to ah. hit your tuning fork.
2: All right, snap quick answers. Ready.
1: Is there a single secret society controlling global events? No. Did we ever land on the moon? No. Are reptilians real?
2: In this psychically, yes.
1: Does gold have any special or magical properties? Definitely. Was 9/11 an inside job?
2: Something like that. <laughs>
1: Did Freemasons ever, or do they still run the entire planet?
2: Freemason adjacents.
1: Is Bigfoot real? I don't know. Did Oswald shoot JFK? I don't care. <laughs> Is that a maybe, a yes, or a no?
2: That's a, I don't know, and I, I don't really care.
1: Is there a secret city under the Denver International Airport? Probably. Are ghosts real? Yeah. Are crop circles real?
2: Seem to be. Never seen one.
1: What about the Bermuda Triangle? Is that real?
2: It's a place.
1: Do you believe that mermaids ever existed?
2: I could dig it. I think the siren stuff is deep.
1: And what about dinosaurs? Are dinosaurs real? Super fake. So I want to go into the last one and we, we can work backwards a little bit. But tell me why are dinosaurs super fake and what is the incentive to push all the dinosaur museums and dinosaur cartoons and just everything dinosaur?
2: So, okay. I will be honest and say I I don't actually know this to be one way or the other. Right? But my my sense is that it is you know, when we say things are fake in the conspiracy world, it might be more accurate to say that they don't exist as described, you know, rather than fully but fake.
1: Did someone like uh, like mix up the vertebrae 23 and 22 and then it's like, aha,
2: it's fake. Well, the time period from which we start seeing all this dinosaur stuff emerge is that the height of charlatanry in almost all fields of archaeology and field work study, looking for artifacts, looking for what have you. The uh, <laughs> the mid 1800s were just a heyday of forgeries, <laughs> and I think that actually probably goes back even further. But uh why? So the why is maybe if maybe somebody comes up with their dinosaur bones, and they get a lot of pats on the head and gold stars. A thesis theory starts getting built around them you know and then more people start to f- also fake stuff this could be to cover up giants of uh, giant human skeletons potentially this is all just you know spitballing here i haven't really invested a lot of time into the topic but where it became useful to market dinosaurs later on is that for sure in the scarcity hype of petrochemicals that oil is from smashed up dinosaur bones right and dead dinosaurs and that's why we're running out of it as opposed to the idea that oil is something the earth is generating from within itself maybe something similar to blood for all i know so (laughs) so so maybe
1: dinosaurs could have been invented by the oil industry to provide some explanation of why it's a, a finite and precious resource.
2: So, invented by the oil industry, maybe not. Maybe invented by some uh, sleazy, sleazy archaeologist that wanted to uh, make a name for himself with a big world-changing discovery, and then copycats and parrots and maybe follow suit. Possibly even to cover up. Possibly to cover up giants. You know, there's lots of evidence of uh, giant human remains being squirreled away by the Smithsonian Black Sun logo, Jesuit order. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for sure, the oil companies picked that up and ran with it as a perfect way to market to everybody the scarcity model for their product. And then, you know, I, I just look at myself as a four-year-old. I was so into dinosaurs and I would tell everybody about the... I called it a fury.
1: <laughs> a fury mm-hmm.
2: yeah which by the way i i realized today that the th sound could switch with the f sound and it dawned on me and i was like oh yeah yeah so there's a new tool for the philological lock picking kit and then confirmed it when i was looking into theta that the uh cyrillic letter for theta they call it theta. <laughs> so th- THF. Letter swaps is a fascinating subject. And if you can learn what letters can swap with other letters, and a lot of it is very evident in just the way people speak from one region to another region, the same language. But that will give you a lot of synchromistic fuel to figure out names that are actually the same name as something else, but with a different dialect or accent. Anyway, that aside, I would always tell everyone as a four-year-old about the meteor that just wiped out the dinosaurs and like they that that idea of death from above <laughs> was super ingrained into my consciousness and i think that might be part of it too is you know similar to like the the nuke hype and there's got to be as many possible world ending you have nothing you can do about it massive devastation super scary type of potential events as you can put into somebody's mind to really help them be afraid of the world <laughs> you know that's your goal whoever they is <laughs> so all of that i could be wrong but i don't really buy the dinosaur thing the the physics of some of the dinosaurs they describe is hilarious the full skeletons that they put forward in museums and stuff are about as real as photographs of earth from space You know, and like you you read the fight print and it's not even hidden that that stuff isn't real, that they're projections or, you know, estimations of what something would be. You get one bone and so they can build a whole skeleton out of that or just a few bones. There's enough. It smells bad enough that you are totally it's totally reasonable to just be skeptical of the whole thing. And, you know, that's kind of how I operate. If known liars. I have lied uh, three or four or five or 300 times. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they're lying about other stuff, even if I don't, even if I haven't chased down the lead myself to know.
1: It, I mean, it's fair if a known liar is, you know, has their mouth opening, you know, then they're lying.
2: I mean, especially apply that to NASA. <laughs> That's uh, never a straight I answer. Right? assume everything's a lie from NASA.
1: So I wanna I wanna go to this one too, because I said that Oswald shoot JFK and you're like, I don't care. And uh why don't you care? Why don't you care if um you know who shot the, the president of the United States and the finding moment?
2: Uh I just don't. <laughs> I just don't, you know, uh, it's all mafia shit. The, whether it's well, the, like do you not care, if... ritual, or it's just mafia is taking out a guy that's not cooperating anymore, or he was embarrassing them with his uh, boyfriend Lem too publicly, or whatever it might have been, I just don't care that much. It's like <laughs> you know, whatever somebody's like, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you're just like, ah, I don't really want to because you're telling me I need to. I feel that way about the JFK conspiracy that it's like so beaten that drama is just beaten and beaten and beaten and it's like the a pillar of conspiratainment and you know so i just never gave a shit about looking into it very deeply one way or the other i did like king kill 33 i found that kind of interesting yeah but man. other other than that uh, i don't really care too much you know it's it's obviously shady everything at the level of federal top-down control of uh it's a giant Geographical area, everything at the top level of that is going to be mafia and shady. So, I, you know, just to me, it just looks like that's what happens. <laughs> shady stuff happens. They say we went to the moon is very wrapped up with that, too. Like, maybe that's part of keeping everyone under the moon landing spell is that their hero that sent them to the moon was martyred. And so, like, you're dishonoring John Kennedy if you dare say we didn't go to the moon. How dare you?
1: Have there been were there any like a uh, assassination? Like, what about John Lennon? Do you care about any of like the the cultural icons that got taken out?
2: No, I liked Assassin's Creed back in the day. That was a fun game, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I never really cared that much about uh, I, I, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Is an interesting one. The consequences were so massive for that that I found that one kind of interesting. I don't, the the Serbian like
1: Black Hand secret society.
2: Yeah, yeah. There you go. You probably know more about it than me. I just that one. I, I liked that one. That was a good one.
1: <laughs> so, so if the the government comes out and they say, finally, we're releasing all of the uh, unredacted JFK files, no interest, no interest on who, why, what, where, when.
2: Well, if that happened, I, I'm sure that I would have no choice but to find out because the. Well, the conspiracy
1: world wouldn't stop talking about it for the next year straight, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And a lot of, I love me some conspiratainment, but I try really hard not to be just empty calories with my, my content, you know, is there anything constructive in this breakdown of this conspiracy? Is there anything expansive about your, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm perfect about it, but when it comes to the content I create, my goal is with as many shows if not every show to leave the audience with an expanded sense of what's possible in their reality in the sense of what they can do what is possible for them or you know expand their horizons open the imagination portal a little bit wider so with uh, you know those kind of plots and assassinations and a lot of stuff that is popular in the conspiracy world It's not, it doesn't really dilate my imagination portal in a way that feels healthy. And sometimes it's even like um, inserting this, what I believe to be erroneous and false type of mythos that if you go against the deep state, if you cross the them, then they're going to kill you. You know, you had it right in your opening video about Kennedy's uh, talking about the grand conspiracy right the day
1: he's talking about the the
2: they. he's talking about the they, and then they killed him (laughs) epstein totally didn't hang himself didn't kill himself and to me i think a a lot of the a lot of the show and i mean all the shows the tv the movies etc it uh, this is something i can't prove you know but i do think that it may be pop it may be that I think this is a consent based reality. And possibly there's some threshold of like, you know, some cultures believe that you don't get a soul until you're a certain age or whatever, but there's an age of consent, right? <laughs> there's a certain age that's the age of consent. And then after that age, you're really no longer able to be victimized without your permission. <clears throat> and I know that might sound extreme, but like, you know, what about? what about somebody that got uh, kidnapped and, and raped while they're walking back to their car or like whatever, but still as the adult, they put themselves in the position of like being in a dangerous place by themselves. And then, you know, the result happens. But then the question I have is can you actually get murdered without, without being the aggressor first or without believing in the whole concept of the boogeyman can get me because <laughs> I honestly, I think that there's no, there's no possible way for your time here to be cut short before it was meant to be your time. And when I say meant to be that I'm mean, on some level, you know, in a metempsychosis fashion that you, you signed up for how you were going to come in and how you're going to come out and what's between that in that uh, alpha and omega point of your timeline Maybe there's more wiggle room. Maybe there are some like faded destined type of things that you signed up for there too. But my worldview just works a lot better when everything is consent based and an extension of your beliefs or your, you know, so I don't personally subscribe to any model of like, if we tell the truth too hard, then we're going to get assassinated. So be careful everyone. They're going to get you. The deep state's going to get you targeted individuals, but if you believe that stuff you know you can go into uh you can go into a self created hell you could even potentially generate the type of shadows in the corner that are watching you and gaslighting you i don't know but i have seen enough case studies in my one on ones with people to know for sure that what you expect about life and what you believe about yourself fully informs the pattern of stuff that happens to you in the sense that you're happening to it you know that's what is so helpful about like what makes it processing of trauma for people i work with one-on-one is that i can help them see how the way that the energy was in their family when they were a baby or you know some dynamic between them and their mother them and their father or a sibling or whatever in that before the age of consent type of realm, you know, the formative years, if you will, how that type of feeling or that type of experience has been in all the major events of their life that they consider traumatic or difficult, that that, ex- that there's a thematic or symbolic pattern that links all these events that seem separate under the very umbrella of whatever the limiting belief or expectation is, if that makes sense. And so like processing trauma To me, it's not just about knowing that it happened or expressing how you felt, but to comprehend how it has influenced your behavior and how you have choice and agency in the matter, even in things that seem to have come out of you, come at you out of the blue, that really all the things that ever came at you out of the blue, if you're able to get real with yourself, if you're able to maybe have somebody more objective outside of you, help you see it you know and that's what I consider myself uh often able to do with clients to see that those things didn't just happen randomly but they all fit the exact mold of whatever the unconscious beliefs you formed from early life conditioning were and you know (laughs) like Yeah, I mean, I could probably think of specific examples or go get my client notebook and pull out some fun, fun, specific stories. But hopefully that is all making sense as a a summary. And so I don't think that you can just get whacked by the deep state unless, you know, I don't think you can just get murdered unless, you know, you pick up a rifle and go to the war and you start shooting. I think that we're all a lot more safe, so to speak, than what all this movie and TV programming and and violence and, uh, you know, constant reminders of boogeyman would actually lead you to think you know if you don't if you don't believe in the boogeyman can it really get you that's where i'm at i'm gonna just i'm just gonna rock that way like that i'm basically invincible until my time here is done <laughs> which I, I a lot of ancestors did rock that way you know that's what made the uh, the Celts so difficult to conquer by the the romans allegedly that they were like bring it on if I die today, I'll just get reborn and uh, come back and and kick your ass again until I die again. <laughs> and there's like nothing really to be afraid of.
1: This is like if uh, <laughs> if Kennedy got shot in the middle of a forest and no one was around to hear or see it, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why that was televised for the world to see. Exactly. It's a. It's definitely television has definitely been a powerful spellcraft of getting people to believe in. You know, a violent criminal around every street corner.
1: So, I I got one last question before I I, uh, have you do some shout outs to where people can find you again and anything else that you want to promote. Let's say you stumble upon Walt Disney's frozen corpse and you have, you know, you have unbridled access to it, sort of a John the Baptist head Templar situation. But I want to know two things. One is, How do you thaw Disney out? Like, what is your personal technique to unencino man him, and uh, and what do you do when he pops back to life in the year twenty twenty three in your garage or wherever he's at?
2: Could I take option C and maybe just like have uh, I'll probably put it in a capsule so I wouldn't have to taste it, but like maybe just ingest a a little bit of the brain so that I could absorb his knowledge.
1: Oh, you're gonna go right for the Kuru. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets it. <laughs> uh man, I've literally never thought about this question before. How would I thought out a frozen body? Um Yeah, pr- maybe I would just get it, put him in a nice put him on a nice yoga mat and get an electric blanket and throw the blanket over him so that when he wakes up he's really comfortable. <laughs> he's already in the shavasana pose, really relaxed. <laughs> Is I don't epcot done I yet? <laughs> what's that
1: that's his first question is it? Is it did they ever finish epcot bring me epcot
2: <laughs> yeah uh, i would and then i would uh i would put on disney plus and you know
1: look what like, you're you, doing sir,
2: you need you need to do something about this sir <laughs>
1: <laughs> why are they all wearing spandex what is
2: this uh you know dude one of these days you're a big comics guy you know one of these days, you ought to come on with me and Gabriel and do a Demystifiers episode about something Marvel-related. I'd love to, our... man.
1: I love your, um, uh, your Moon Knight breakdowns, your Avenger breakdowns. I love all of those. Well, I would love to maybe do like a Punisher Warzone or something, which is one of my all-time favorite comic book movies. Maybe Judge Dredd. I don't know. Have you done those?
2: No, I've never seen Punisher Warzone. I did see the Netflix Punisher with Barenthal
1: so punisher warzone i highly recommend it it's the most it it feels so much like reading a comic book uh it doesn't make a lot of sense you might get a seizure from it it's definitely (laughs) lots of style and flashy you know content but man i I love it so much
2: speaking of flashy seizure inducing content i really enjoy the animated spider-verse movies the second one was awesome
1: Oh, the AI generated one. Are, are you for AI taking over artist jobs? Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot take. Uh, it's a hot take in some circles right now.
2: Oh, it's a super hot take, but you know, it's another boogeyman. Yet another boogeyman. They took our derbs.
1: <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that demon. So, um,
2: again, well, I'm a, a huge can... Spider-Man dude. I love. Spider-Man's been my favorite,
1: the, and the new Miles job. Morales uh, um, universe is pretty cool. I think it, I was a little burnt out on Peter Parker, to be honest. I don't know. This how is many actually more times this, we can I don't usually it.
2: tell people, but the uh, Spider chest emblem on my tattoo here is the Miles one from the uh, original Sarah Pacelli illustration of the costume. I really liked Ultimate Comics' Death of Spider-Man arc and the introduction of miles in the ultimate comics universe i actually confession time i have every issue of ultimate comics prior to they them disintegrating that line <laughs> so i have the whole ultimate x-men ultimate fantastic four you got ultimate all this, the 2099s no no that's a that's a different thing the only comics i ever collected uh, for real was ultimate so that's like a side universe where they rebooted, in a way, a parallel Marvel universe starting around 2000. So you have Spider-Man back to being a teenager again, but it's in the era of cell phones and stuff. And it's fun because they were able to have more consequence to their storytelling that if a character got killed, it wasn't a guarantee that they'd be resurrected by this time next year, you know, because it wasn't the, the main version of that character so they could do more dark and gritty stuff and a great deal of what the mcu like the cinematic universe bases their material on is actually quite thoroughly hybridized between 616 the original marvel universe and uh the ultimate comics universe i really they like cherry
1: it. pick a little bit and, and i think dc tried they dc was like hey i like that trick let's do that and they had the new 52 which kind of did a similar thing where it's like hey here's another version of all of our different intellectual properties and we can kill them in this universe and they're still alive in that universe and if you want the latin universe and you want to buy like that shirt we got that too you know what? i, I kind of love the the whole <laughs> and thing everybody's was- gay
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's the gay universe. So yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. I uh, I would definitely want to get you on in mystifiers You could even pick. That'd be fun. We'll have to let's, do
1: that. Let's set that up and let's set up an NLP uh episode. Cause I would love I don't I I've only mentioned this a few times on other podcasts, but I was actually trained by Richard Bandler in person here in Orlando in the mid two thousands on NLP. And um Richard Bandler and john grinder i think they were like the two head guys that started really dropping the nlp knowledge i think in like the 70s 80s or whatever so um that was a surreal experience and it taught me that that's the closest i think i've ever come to believing in magic and i think that nlp is probably like the secular version of magic that i could be convinced into thinking that it comes from some other you know plane of existence or or sort of universe you know that's that it comes from 616 basically
2: <laughs> wild dude i'm uh i'm digging the pitch i'm definitely gonna put you on the calendar uh how about it's like 719 <laughs> no we'll talk off of, we'll talk off air but we gotta
1: uh, we gotta consult the stars to get the right date there
2: <laughs> awesome
1: so okay so so again chance garden from uh innerverse uh where can people find you and what uh you know what are the big projects you got going on now that you want them to check out
2: Interverse podcast.com will be your catch-all website. I've got uh, weekly shows, Vibrant on Wednesdays, interverse on Sunday. Come check us out. We always have a really cool live chat going. The community in our live chats on YouTube or Rockfin is super awesome, highly curated. <laughs> you know, I've I've learned along the way that you, know, you just as soon as somebody requires any kind of attention that's annoying you just ban them and then that you very rarely have to ban anybody <laughs> if you operate that way and then it's like you know you set the tone for your room and everybody's super cool and it self regulates so we have an awesome community i mean i met my wife through my podcast live chat so you know <laughs> it's a uh, obviously high quality and there's a good telegram group of similar caliber if you go to t.me slash interverse podcast chat, highly recommend people come in there. It's like, you know, if you miss being able to use the internet to get legitimate answers to questions, try our telegram chat. <laughs> That's where I go. Instead of trying to Google about like what herb for this and getting a bunch of results about actually use poison, use pharmaceuticals instead, you know, and st- I, I really, really love connecting with the community and, there you know if i i have observed that my audience is really more like co-researchers and collaborators over consumers of entertainment i appreciate them a lot so can't, can't talk highly enough about the community if people want to check out tuning specific content or book a session with me on my website interverse podcast.com slash sound dash healing you will be able to Find a couple of my favorite videos where I've given in depth talks about the process. If you're curious, I do recommend people just learn the biofield anatomy for themselves and start getting the messages their body's sending to them. And, uh, but, you know, beyond that, if you want to work with me one on one and move some stuck energy back into flow, I'm all about it. Uh, chance at interverse podcast.com is where you can email me if you want to just expedite that process and get on my schedule. And then on top of that, I've been working on audiobooks for a while now. So I've got, let's see, I think I've got four currently available and I'm working on a fifth. Most of them are part of this series called spirit world. This is the newest one, the holy sailors. You can find it on Audible. Holy sailors is a great one. Um, You can't really go wrong. You don't have to do them in order. So for example, if you check out the newest one, I finished Holy sailors, it's going to give you all the goodness about how the ancient Irish and ancient Britons come from the same system that history has labeled the Phoenicians and how the fingerprints of the ancient universal mystery, wisdom, tradition are extant in not just britain but also the americas prior to european contact with them and overall the series is just a great way to sharpen your skills in terms of recognizing the patterns of symbolism and language that unlock the real meaning behind the allegory of the astro theological uh mythology traditions that are worldwide really useful series i know for sure uh My buddy, Dylan Sikosio, who wrote this, his whole goal was to help people expedite the process. So they didn't have to spend 10 years of their life researching this stuff and putting the pieces together before they could kind of get the gist of the pattern. And so these books will help you see the pattern. And then as you continue and do the work yourself and do your own research, you won't be like just baffled by what you're seeing. (laughs) You have a better idea of what you're seeing. And then that will make the study you're doing that much more valuable. And, uh, help, you know, help you communicate that stuff back to our communities. Because honestly, ancient history, mythology, symbolism, language, these subjects are too vast for any one person. And we need, you know, we need somebody that speaks Arabic. We need somebody that speaks Japanese. We we need more on the team to help us weave together all of this universal symbolism and to get to the bottom of like, what's our real history? What really happened? What are these <laughs> what are these historical cover-ups about? What is it about our power and our potential that is being obscured by the fake news of uh, various eras? So yeah, I hope people check out Holy Sailors or the Spirit World books I've na- uh, narrated. You can get them on Audible. If you've never signed up for Audible before, you can even get the first book free. So be a good one to use it on. And you I think got that's a, all the a
1: stuff on the Audible?
2: Uh, I don't think I have a code, but if they go to my website or just the description of any show in the uh, description, there'll be links to ways to support my stuff, including links to the audiobooks, which will give you the Audible uh, like free trial link. And though going through those links rather than just buying it straight off the site does give me a better uh, kickback, if you will. So, you know, lots of ways to support. And super grateful to be able to do what I do without needing other income streams outside of the stuff that I actually like and have fun doing so it's been a journey to get to that point where I feel like I can kind of fly after taking the leap of faith off the cliff but I'm super excited about the future perpetually the beginning and I'm uh, really digging getting to know you better Thomas and this was a fun funny chat appreciate getting to be the first that's pretty dang cool and i look forward to more collaborations and hangouts in the future dude
1: likewise man thank you so much for uh being the guinea pig to this uh, whole little send-off and for just putting it on the right wavelength to start with man so i appreciate that hopefully it just keeps reverberating forever at this point right the 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 tuning fork will just keep going
2: yeah dude that fork goes for like 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs)
0: Are you ready to uncover the hidden? The Paranoid American Homunculus Owner's Manual, Not for the Faint of Heart. Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today.